First, thank the Hever for being here. I wanted a Chazer. Some of the Hever here was the Omri Shapiro spoke somewhere and um, by hands, who heard and who heard and got what Ray Shapiro said yesterday, just by hands. I didn't get it all. So, so some got the ones who got it excellent. I'd like to repeat what Ray Shapiro said. You, you heard Ray Shapiro yesterday. I want to say what he said. If you heard it already, so let's hazard. I got a tremendous display of I want to share, I, want, I would like to share what he said because it made a reishim on me and I want to hazard with the Hebrew what he said. He studied the first Mishnah in Abbas after the Mishnah says the Messiah is Hatayr. Maisha's Makabal Torah from Sinai gave it to Yeshua, Yeshua to the Kanims, came to Nevi'im, Nevi'im to Anshei Knesset Sagdailah. So it's given us the Messiah Satira till the Anshei Knesset Sagdailo. Now the Anshei Knesset Sagdailo are a very important time in Messiah Satira. It's interesting that it traces it till there. And the Anshei Knesset Sagdailo are a huge turning point in Messiah Satira. Because the Anshei Knesset Sagdailo had the last Nevi'im, the last prophets, and afterwards there was no more prophecy. So it was a stark, stark. Descent into Golis, if you will. Golis is Hashem's mm-hmm. hiding. Golis is Hashem's hiding. And, and there's a tremendous descent into Golis, into this place of hiding. And, and that descent begins a lot by Anshei Knesset Agdoyle. It happens to be some of the time we went Eretz Yisrael, some not. But there's a loss of prophecy, a certain direct communication with Hashem. One can always discover Hashem. There still was Ruach HaKodesh and all different forms. There still exists the a possibility of Dveikas Bashem, of attaching to Hashem. Prophecy changed right after the Anshei Knesset Famously, the Anshei Knesset wrote the Siddur. Before we lost prophecy, they knew things and things to say and how to pray, and they wrote the Siddur down. They were from the last prophets, and based on prophecy, based on how to impact in Shemayim, they wrote down the Siddur. But this Mishnah gives us the link in the chain from our Sinai until the Anshei Knesset Sagdayla. The Anshei Knesset would then say three things. Heim Amru They taught three things. It's very interesting because I'm sure they taught many things. There were many members of the Anshei Knesset and there were many teachings of those many members. Clearly, these were three central teachings. There's a word, it'll be word of the day. Menachem Bron, you know the word seminal. Could somebody look up seminal teaching? Seminal. You're looking it up over here, seminal. Of a work, event, moment, or figure strongly influencing later developments. Seminal is like a, like a life-changing moment. Is like a very important moment in time. It's called a seminal moment. Like it's, it changes the whole history. You have the Anshei Knesset the people of the last Nevi'im, and they have three teachings. You can imagine these clearly were viewed as more essential. These were viewed as a central teaching of the Anshei Knesset So it, 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 it makes sense we should pay heed. And there should be some importance to these teachings specifically related to Anshei Knesset 
And the first of their teaching was have a misunim bedin, be very deliberate in, just, in judging. Now, the obvious question of being deliberate in, just, in, in judging is don't give your first thought. It's like, what, what's the chedesh? Now, you get, I, I know people who say bad pshatim in Torah because they're always looking for novelty. They're looking to say chedushim, very dangerous. Some of the most untrue people in life have a bias that they love to say chedushim. They like to say a chedush. I've seen people, it's, it's a dangerous thing to be afflicted with. I always like, I, I'd much rather the truth. Now, trust me, it's geschmack when you say something new, novelty. Whoa, nobody ever said that before. It's geschmack. It's very dangerous to try to say chedushim nisanel. Much truth has been perverted by people trying to say chedushim. If you're ever sitting around with the boys and guys are shooting the breeze, there's always a certain type of person who tries to say like a happy thing. Like everybody thinks this. Like, you're talking the best ball player in Yeshiva. So it's, if you say, you, you know, so it's Yisrael Winters the back. You didn't say, a guy like said, I hold, and he says a guy who everybody knows is not the best. Like Yishma, okay, cute. Like, you're trying to be too cute. You're trying, you're like forcing, you want to say the guy's very good. There are people that love him. It's Gishmak to say the Chiddush in a conversation, Elio. People like saying, so it's always Gishmak. He's really the best. He's not, like, cute. It's a very dangerous it's a dangerous bias to say a chiddush. Now, I get it that we all want to say, that in, in news reporting, in news reporting, says a famous like mantra, news reporting, dog bite man, no story. Man bite dog, story. It's, you always look for the story of the chiddush. You look for the chiddush. If they, you know, they have a big chas v'shom, Hashem, rabbi cheats. It's a news story because the assumption rabbis is don't cheat. Rabbi cheated, headlines. That's man bites dog is a chedesh, that's a chil Hashem. But in the chil Hashem, you also see that they don't assume a rabbi would cheat. That's why it's a story. But they want a chedesh to sell newspapers. You have to say like, it's my kids and I, my kids and I, we, we were driving and we were listening to it late at night. We turned on a sports broadcaster. And he was a very gentle man. And he, he, there was a certain honesty to him. He was a terrible, it's very hard to do sports talk. Very hard to say something. And the art is to say something a shtickle controversial. And this guy was very vanilla. He would like, the king of stating the obvious. He's a very good ball player. The art of sports talk is to say controversial, but then you're not saying truth. The very good ones could actually say chidushim and hold of it, and it's true. And it's the art of like saying a chidush, but really holding of a chidush. It's a very, it's an artistic task to do. We were listening to a guy, he, he like said too much to obvious, like put you to sleep. He never would say a chiddush, he never would go on the line. Now, you don't want somebody forcing a chiddush, but what's interesting is when you really hold something, if you really hold something, but it's dangerous when your job is to hold a chiddush, it's very dangerous. She, well, yeah, it's cool, it's cool, it's not great sports, listen. The, 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 the art of saying a shir, lahavdil, 
The art of saying is sheer. Guys want to hear Chidushim. But I have seen where a Rebbe is like pressured to say Chidushim and sells out from what he believes. That's, that's, that you, that, there's something about that that's difficult. So I want to say on this Mishnah, when the Anshei Knesset say, be very deliberate in, just, in judgment, be careful. What's the Chiddush? A lot of people don't do that, and they're giving strict warning. A lot of people say their first thought on things and don't think through something in a very careful manner. Is a common error to make, so it doesn't need to be a crazy chedesh, have a bedin. It does seem funny that this was the Anshei Knesset was big zug. When you paskin bedin, when you're paskining, when you're giving judgments, think through it. Be very masan and din. Yeah, I mean, any intelligent person knows that you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't say your first thought, think through it. It's funny, the first thought, somebody wrote a book, a Chacham of today, and describes as something called Muskel Rishon, your first thought on a matter. And your first thought is very important. I have asked guys, and in my own decision making, I always try to remember what my first thought was. There's something very pure about your first thought. Sometimes we overthink something, and our first thought is the pashtus. There's something very cool about a first thought. By the way, even when you're deliberate, always ask yourself later what my first thought was. There's something very cool about your first thought. Because it's what you felt, it was like the pashtus before you got a little complicated. So there is an art to knowing your first thought. That being said, you're obviously supposed to think through. You don't just want to be impulsive. You don't want to be just like whatever comes to mind. So what is this teaching, Avi Misun and Bedin? It's a truth. What was there? Like, what were they doing? Who were they talking to? What were they worried about? And again, the obvious worry is people won't think through things. That's the obvious worry. Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Shapiro offered an idea that might be true. I liked what he said a lot. I want to share with the Chevra because Ave Mesunabedin does seem, I admit that for years it was like judges be very, very deliberate. It's, I can't argue with the statement. I don't need that it's such a chiddush. It's, it doesn't have to be the newest chiddush, means something new, something surprising. Like, this was their big teaching. Like, this was, this is what fired you up. I, in general, when you, I'm, I'm going to New York to speak. I, it's a very interesting topic speaking. We're having guys in yeshiva share the retire. Always share things that you really feel. You're at a dangerous place when you say things you don't feel. I was asked by somebody in my shul, like, why don't you talk about a certain thing? I said, it's not what I'm feeling. You can't. You're at a dangerous place when you're imitating. When you say any Dvar Torah, we'll talk about how to speak. It will come out in how to give over Torah. We'll talk about it. So I do want to say, when I saw this Mishnah for years, it like struck me as funny. This is what Anshay Knesset was so fired up at. And maybe they were. They saw maybe a lot of, maybe if you study the times, there was a lot of travesty and judgment. What's going on? Said Rai Shapiro Shlita as follows. What would be the reason not to be deliberate and just in judgment? So he said, you would think the reason is, is your, your first thought. He said that the tendency is to pass the buck to somebody else. I'm not smart enough. I just don't know the answers. And what Dan Sheikh Nesak were talking to generation that lost prophecy. 
It was a generation moving further away. You read the Sadeiris. And they said, Elio, don't pass the buck. What do you think? What's in you? And I want to say this. I want to say this with advice. People here come to Rebbeim for advice a lot. This is anybody who ever gives advice has to know this. Anybody who ever is working with somebody else, the answers are not in you. The answer is in the person coming to you. Somebody comes, Elio, I want to ask you advice. What do I know? You don't have to know anything. He knows the answer. The answer is you always have to know this. Kimayim amukim, like deep waters, ish, is advice in the heart of man. Ishchacham yidlena, the wise person just draws it out. The answers are not in you. Years ago, Reb Leichter came to the city, the Mashkiach, the Mashkiach of Hebron, a very intelligent person. And he had a Q&A with us. We were just, it was early in the history of the Waterbury Base Medrash. And he came and he was speaking to us involved. And somebody asked him about advice. We were youngsters, people were coming for advice. And he told us this, that always understand the answers are not in you. The answers are in the one who's asking the question. A guy says, should I go next year to Imreu Fishers? Talk to me. Let me. You want to get a feel. Do you see the guy get excited when he says the word Imre? Do you hear him? What's it, what is, why do you want to go to Rabbi Fisher's? What's in you? What's happening? Talk. Give me your statement. As somebody's speaking, the answers will emerge. And good Bali Eitzah don't say what to do. They let you talk. They encourage a conversation. And they tend to feel an answer comes out. You feel your answer. That's, that's, that's the eights of... What they that, want is not always like the right answer, though. So good. We talk about that also. We talk about that also. What's the MS? What's in you? But it's in the, per, it's in the asker, the answers. They know what they want. They're coming for your perspective to see... Like, right. Certainly you can help. You could, you could hear what they're saying. You could ask questions that bring out thoughts. Maybe you can call out biases. All these things are in bounds, but they're all trying to find out the answer that lies in the one asking the question. A very, it's an important truth. It's just the truth. Now, now comes comes the comes the Mishnah, and Nanshek Nesagdoil are saying you're going to come to a generation who's who's declined, and the senses ask somebody bigger, ask somebody bigger. I don't know. And he said, Avi Misuna Bedin, you deliberate in Din, you're, you're paskining some Din Taira, you learn the Sugya and find the answer. When he said be deliberate, the opposite wasn't because you'll answer hastily. The opposite is feeling that I don't have answers in me. Misuna Bedin is find out what you think in the Sugya, find out how it appears to you. My Rebbe, my Rebbe taught us, and he wrote this in the book about his father. His father was my Rebbe's Rebbe, his own father. And my Rebbe said that whenever he would ask his father anything, his father always said, Yechiel, what do you hold? What do you hold? And his father was teaching him something. Dad, tell me the answer. His father was always teaching him form an opinion. Connect to the matter, study the matter, and form an opinion. That's what his father always like was one to say to him, Yechiel, what do you hold? Always said to him, give me, what, what, what's inside of you? And Rai Shapiro said, Avi Misunim Bedin, is the Anshei Knesset Sagdayla we're teaching, that wrap yourself and connect yourself to the Torah, as opposed to saying, who am I, me, Ani? 
Who am I? Machaya, what's my life? That was the Masuna, but then no, no. It, it's important your opinion, your thoughts on the matter are important. And that's what the Anche Knesset Sagdailah, who were speaking to a generation where there was immense Yerida Sadairis, were saying formulate opinion. He said over Raishapir yesterday from Raifarkis that certain Svarim you learn. And it's so, it was such ashkacha because I showed yesterday we learned Chumash together and we learned the piece from the Rebbe. And I told the guys, it's not a vert from the Rebbe. It's like a nice Dvartar. Ah, the Rebbe said a Dvartar. He handed you a piece of himself. That wasn't a Dvartar said by the Rebbe. That was like a piece. He like handed you his arm, his kishkas. The best Dvartar Torah, you study Torah and with your experiences, with your... I'll tell you like this, that my, my Rebbe, I met my Rebbe very, very young. I ended up learning by him on a consistent basis when I was in Beis Medrash. But from the, already from 5th, 6th, 7th grade, I was, my father was a Rebbe in Yeshiva Rakwe, and I hung around the Yeshiva, and I would hear speeches, Shalashudis, I heard when I was very, very young. I would go to Shalashudis in the Yeshiva, and I was very, very attracted to him. And I've asked myself now, what were you so attracted by? What drew you? It's important to me what, and I'll tell you, I, I've, I've like zoned in on four topics. I only want to talk about one right now. I loved when he quoted over a Gemara. And I'll tell you what I saw. I loved, those were his best speeches when he learned the Gemara with us. And I saw something that I like never, that it was like the most extreme I'd seen in my life. He was marrying a Gemara. He wasn't learning a Gemara. To explain, he was like, he was like, he was hugging it. He was playing with it. He was, he was connecting to a Gemara from his own experiences, from his own way of looking at it. He wasn't like telling us, the Gemara says like this, you saw the Gemara run through him, run through his own experiences, run through his own midas. When, when, when he told us the Gemara, he was giving us a piece of his kish because I felt like that. And it felt right. It felt right. I was like attracted to that. I had heard people quote Gemaras and they quoted the Gemara says, I didn't feel like you were getting the Gemara attached to the person who learned the Gemara. When my Rebbe quoted the Gemara, I felt like he handed you a Gemara that he was like, that attached him and he gave us a piece of his inside. He gave us, a Gemara hits you a certain way. Based on what you're going through, but if you hear Rabbi Shapiro speak, you're getting a piece of Rabbi Shapiro. You're getting a piece of Rabbi Shapiro. He sp- Rabbi Shapiro spoke last year when we had Father's Day. All the fathers were here. Rabbi Shapiro spoke. And the father was like amazed the way he was speaking. He was telling you his journey. I was thinking about the Gemara. And he gave you over. So the father said, wow, what a good speaker. It wasn't a good speaker. It wasn't a word. It was his story. I like that line when, when people say over Divrei Torah, the best Divrei Torah, not, it's not my Dvar Torah, it's my life. It's my story. I'm giving you my story. I'm not telling you a Dvar Torah. It's my journey. I learned this Gemara, what the Gemara did to me, how it struck me, how it changed me, what I was bothered by, what I grappled with. You t- the best Divrei Torah end up, you're saying a story, not a word. I read this Pasuk, I didn't understand it. Something happened. I had history with this, 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 with this Mishnah, with this. Something happened to me. It struck me a certain way. 
When you read certain svarim, the sense is, I'm trying to figure out svasemis these days. It's not his sefer, it's him. It's the svasemis study Tyran and gave you a piece of the svasemis. So that's, that's what he said that Sheknes Sagdoil were teaching Habimisunu Medin to be extremely, extremely deliberate in judgment. He said the next step is Hamidu Talmidim Harbi. From that place, you could have Talmidim. A word that comes from deep inside of yourself is worthy to give it over. He said, You will have Talmidim and you can have Talmidim. He said also, that once you know this Yisaiyah, you're worthy of teaching the next because you allow the Talmud to have that process also. So Amidu Talmud Marbe, now you've, you've attached to Torah. There are people who give over Torah. I once, it, it's interesting, if you ever ask Halacha Paiskim, there are two types of Paiskim. One cannot have Talmidim. There are certain people that don't know the sugya. They don't know the svaras. They memorize English books and facts. The Allah has this, the Allah has that. You can't be Maimit Talmidim. The Torah is not attached to you. It's just a bunch of dry facts. At the point that it's Hamimisun and Bedin, that you've run the Torah through your system, Hamidu Talmidim Harbe, you're ready to have students. You have a Torah that's attached to you. You can have students. And he concluded a tyra, a tyra, make fences for the Torah. And he said the greatest protection of Torah is connected deep to your essence. He said over a story that I thought was a wonderful story. That this story is like dangerous. Avi, I want you, this story should be the, the drive of your life. But it's a da- every truth, Shlomo, is dangerous. Shlomo, I want this story to, Shragi, I want every guy here to make this your mission. This might be one of the most dangerous stories, Elio, we're going to teach the whole year. Dangerous? Yeah, you're very dangerous. But I want it to be, I want it to, Doobie, I want, Maymay, I want this story to drive you. Listen to this story. It's something that moved me a lot, the story, and much more than the story, the idea. Because the truth's always dangerous. Because you, you don't play it safe, you play it true. The truth always, always truth. Truth's always could be abused, but still teach the truth. The story is like this. He quoted from Dr. Ravish Shapiro, quotes it, I believe it. He said from Dr. Abraham Tversky. Dr. Abraham Tversky went to public school. Was, there weren't yeshivas around, and he was growing up where he was growing up. He went to public school. His parents were tzaddikim. His father was a rebbe. His mother was a tzaddikis. He grew up a big tzaddik. He was in public school. He was in a play. He was in a play that had to do, I think it was some sort of Christian play. They had some play in school, and they gave him a part in the play. I don't know. He didn't say the teacher was Jewish, but the teacher was aware that he was a Jew. And his mother calls the teacher, and the teacher was scared. Oh, no, she's going to get on me. You don't put my son in such a play. So she calls up the teacher who's running the play. She's like, okay, what do you want? Okay, yell at me. Don't put my, my son apart in the Christian play. His mother says to the teacher that my son is short and if you put him in the back of the stage, he won't be seen by the crowd. If you could please put him in front of, I want my son in front of the stage so he's highlighted and featured. She said, that's all you want? That's it? So the teacher said, I'll be honest, you were calling me, I thought you were going to be worried I'm putting him in the play. The mother said, 
Do you think in the house that we run, if a play that you put him in could impact him, then I'm embarrassed what I teach him. What I teach him, you're not touching him. Don't worry. <laughs> we have truth in our home. It bothered me a lot. I'm going to say this publicly because people mean well. Somebody came and spoke in what a very well-meaning person. Very well-meaning person. And the person spoke about how we can make sure our kids are safe. How we can make sure we have a Messiah of Tyra. How can we make sure it go to our kids? And they spoke... The, f- the fourth thing was a Kenyan. Three tricks to make sure that our kids aren't impacted. The, I said the fourth one, I don't call it a trick because it was a real value. Three tricks. A fourth thing I liked. The first three, I was embarrassed. I was very embarrassed. Because the sense was live true. And then a side problem, we have a packaging problem. So let's discuss trick. Was there any way to discuss to teach authenticity that a kid living with such authenticity wouldn't dream of opting out? It would be like delightful and delicious. You're teaching like a schmacker tricks. It's become like a huge subject. And this is why I say it's dangerous. People are talking about protecting kids of today. There's a lot of exposure, my friends. A lot. A guy in the dorm today who's struggling with Yiddishkeit looks online and looks up things and is well aware. He'll punch in proofs against this, against that, and he hears sophisticated things from complicated people, very hurt people. And he could tell you like crazy arguments. He's sitting in bed, he's down. So we live in an age, has a lot of access. So what's the answer? So what do we push to today? Now, I don't say not to have shmirah, but the number one, two, three, ten thousand things is sincerity, authenticity. Authenticity is wonderful. When somebody has truth and powerful truth and beautiful truth that's very, very powerful and you could be very confident that they have something authentic and truth. Love it. And that has to be the first thing, the second thing, the third thing, the fourth. It can't be we're gathering, say, uh-oh, what are we going to do about our kids? How are we? So, and we come up with like a geschmack chap, like, okay, let's. How about the truth? How about sincerity? How about that which is, is, is tantalizingly real? And that sells. What, what, what Dr. Abraham Tversky's mother says is, I give the truth in my home. I'm not afraid. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not afraid of what you're offering. He's steeped in truth. By the way, just make him stand in the front. I don't want him to feel short and feel... I love the story. I love the confidence. I love the confidence in the child, the confidence in Tyra, the confidence in truth. I think it has to be more part of the dialogue. Whenever we're discussing safety, people, the conversation comes up in our very yeshiva. What's safe? What's not safe? Is the yeshiva, every parent wants to know, is the yeshiva safe? The reason this yeshiva is so ridiculously safe is because sincerity is taught here. Something authentic is taught here. Rebbeim are saying things they really feel and really hold. Have a misunim bedin means connect to the Torah you learn. Internalize it. Make sure you're speaking from a place that's deep and from a place that you hold, you give your life for this. When you're at that place, when you say divrei you can hear when a speaker, a rebbe says divrei you, you don't buy, you wouldn't die for this. You, 
You're talking. You say, is this a vart you'd give your all for this? Is this a vart that you'd mamish your life is worth it for this? I saw, I was Zaycha Avi one summer, I taught younger kids in Heller. And I was like, it's, it's much harder to teach younger kids. You need much more skills in teaching. Older guys, we, we're pals, so the friendship itself, you don't need much technique in teaching. Younger kids, you can be very, very close. You need to know more techniques in teaching. But I was learning with younger kids. I saw myself, when I came in and was like not passionate about something, and I was trying to get quiet, trying to get behavior, it was murder. Then I needed all the techniques. When I had a vert, that when I had an idea in Yiddishkeit that I felt I would die for this, I'd give my life for this idea. It wasn't like, this is something like, this is personal. I got it through. The guys heard it, and I promise I got it through. <laughs> no problem. They were Lebedic. It was the summer. Who wants to learn? I got it. Because the, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like sharing. Like, you know, some, it was something that I thought about. Something I cared about, something I, I want to, this is, this is a piece of life itself. What was your trick? So that's, having <laughs> that's what Shapiro saw, Dan Knes was saying, to be deliberate, it was as opposed to not, it wasn't as opposed to like saying something just first thought, it was saying to a generation where you read the Sadiris, that don't say I'm too small, let Tyra run through your kishkas. Read it, study it. How does it hit you? What's it saying to you? Where does it hit you? What, is it, what does it mean to you? And find, your, find yourself in Tyra. Find Tyra in yourself. Connect to it. I've been misun and bedin, as opposed to saying, I'm not big enough. Let somebody else. What's the sequence of the what, what did he say? So then Amidu the Marbe. From that place, you yourself could be a teacher of Tyra because you have something you're attached to. Awesome, and Asu Tyre said that's the greatest protection of Tyre. Make fences for Tyre. It's very, very safe because you're deeply connected to it. Your kids, when you have this, your kids will be deeply connected. I promise you'll be less afraid. I hear people talk the opposite of this. It was so refreshing. You're almost not allowed to say this today. It was so refreshing. She said, I'm not afraid. So I'm not afraid. It was so refreshing to say my kids are steeped in Emma's. They're steeped in MS. You think I. <laughs> well, somebody's going to say to you, son, are you kidding? Are you joking? We've lost it. We've, we have to get back to that. There's a confidence. I'm not saying there's no such thing as Shmira. I am saying there's such a thing as authenticity. And I am saying that the greatest protection is people believe in something profoundly. And all the winds that are blowing make it more imperative to have a Yiddishkeit that's passionate, that's fire, that's authentic, that you, you would die for this. That goes to kids. It sells very well without too many tricks. Let me think of a... No, no, no. That's, that, that's right, Shapiro shared. I thought it was... I thought it was magical. I thought it was a vert from deep inside him. So it went deep inside of us. I wanted to share this. I wanted to share this with the Hevra. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. We spoke, 
We spoke about the topic, Asusi Yagla Torah is a fascinating topic. The words mean make fences for the Torah, protect Torah. We spoke about this topic that it's so interesting that the Torah was made in a way that can't be kept and Chazal left to make Takanas to make the Torah capable. In the Torah you can go up to a certain place with an Isha but don't go there. Well, the Chacham saw no human being could keep that. So they backed us off, and the Chachamim make the Torah capable. We spoke about why Hashem would make a Torah that needs human intervention to make it capable. And a lot of that sugya, right? Shapiro describing that Asusiyag with Torah means connect profoundly to Torah. I don't consider that like a, like a drash. I think within Pshat, there's a tremendous truth to that, that the tire was designed for the human being to connect the tire. He has to do his own work to put it into his life. He has to do his own work to, to come meet tire and greet tire and, and incorporate tire into his life. The activities of Asu Siyag L'Tayim, right? Shapiro to point out that that's the greatest safeguard of tire, that you've connected what you've discovered it. Allow me to share. I, I, I'm going to explain. I, I want to share. How does that? How does that answer the question? Why the tyrants, Why they didn't? Hashem wanted to make a tyrant that we have to connect. That there's a task to to marry tyrant, connect to tyrant. I want to share the following shalom bias thing. Elio, I want you to hear this shalom bias thing. There's a tremendous truth to this. There's there's picture this couple. Lavi, listen to this couple. I have. I do have to rush, but I, I want to share this to be with the Heber. Picture a couple. You have a husband and wife. He is a very, very rigid man. He's a guy who wakes up every morning, six in the morning, and he goes to sleep by eight o'clock every night. One of those guys. Eight o'clock, he's asleep. He wakes up six in the morning, bright and early. He's one of these very, very disciplined guys. Make him up earlier. He goes to sleep eight is too many. You know Let's give him nine o'clock, and he wakes up five in the morning. See, so he's, he's an eight-hour sleep, but he's asleep nine. The Mets could be playing West Coast. He's still asleep nine. He goes to sleep nine. Knicks have a late game. He finds out. He goes to sleep nine. This guy usually is not a sports fan anyway. He's nine to five. A very rigid nine to five kind of guy. His wife is a lady, very easygoing, people friendly. She's asleep 1231-ish, two o'clock usually. You know what? 12-ish is like a big part of her vocabulary. She officially goes to sleep 1030, 11, 12, 1, 3. She's the next chesed, the next phone call, the next thing. She's a late night oh, making the next call. And she gets up 8, 9, 10.30-ish. She gets up, she gets up, eventually she gets up. Now, their marriage is, is not like he's this, she's that, and, and they're struggling. They're struggling. They're just so far apart. They're struggling, and they're two ty- there's two there's two mindsets of therapy. There's one mindset of therapy that that tries to get them at the candlelit dinner once a week. Find a place where you can both meet. So they make a candlelit dinner once a week. They go out every, once a week, they go very important trip to the mall, shopping together. They eat out lunch, like something like that. And it typically doesn't work. I mean, it could work, but that, that's like one attempt. I'm not, you know, you know, to me, the best thing that works 
The best thing that works is if you think about the two guys, what type of coffee does that guy like, obviously? Black. It's a black coffee, obviously. He's hot and black coffee. It's hot always and black. What type of coffee does she obviously like? Ice, Ice coffee. A lot of sugar. A lot of sugar. Just that, it's just how it is. So she's a heavy whipped cream, a lot of sugar. That's her, that's him. Now, what you have to do, keep in mind he loves rigidity. That's what he thrives on. You get the guy every morning when you're up, and he loves this. He loves responsibility. He loves predictability. Every morning before he goes to work, he makes her a perfect iced coffee. But she likes three and a half, three and one fourth, and he always wants to know exact how much sugar to put in. That's his type. She has no amount. You just dump sugar until till, till you're sure you got enough in there. You dump some more if you're unsure. She's not like so exact. She's dumping packs in, rips. It depends who's looking. But if nobody's looking, she puts another three. It's three from wherever you're up to. She wants three more, you know. So you tell the guy, you have to give him exact instruction. But every day he makes her an iced coffee. To the point when she comes down at 10, 11, 12, 30, there's an iced coffee waiting for her. Now, you just saved their marriage. Because in his rigidity, there's room for her iced coffee. And, and they find each other. They find each other there. You have to find her in him, him in her. You have to find where in his lifestyle there's room for such a wife. He loves the rigidity of that, and she loves the iced coffee, and they meet there. That he makes her an iced coffee. He's perfect to go. She comes down every day and finds the iced coffee. It's, you could do a smaller thing, and it's bigger than once a week they go out to eat. The once a week they go out to eat, but they're both leaving their lives in each other's life. We're not finding each other. This guy, in his life, if he, you, he can find a place for her in his rigid life, he finds an activity that's so good for her, they've met somewhere, that, that marriage, you saved the marriage. That's the vart of a guy with limonatayra. The vart of limonatayra is having misuna badin is find yourself in it. Find that vart. A guy once said to me, I was sitting next to a guy by a shear. Balabas, and he had been by my father's shear for many decades. And he said, what I love about your father is he has a favorite Mishnah Bru. He said, your father has a Mishnah Bru. That's his Mishnah Bru. He has a favorite Gemara. And that, precisely that, what's your vert? I'm always very into with guys, what's your fate? What's your, you should have your, and but let it change over the years should have your style vart, the vart that gets you fired up, the, the pasuk, the memory. And within each memory, what it strikes to you, what it says to you, you've connected deeply to the vart, to the Torah. You have found yourself in Torah. You have found Torah in yourself. And you're connected profoundly deeply. That's, that's how Rai Shapiro explained Habi Misun and Bedin. That's what he explained is the ultimate siyagla Torah, the ultimate fence for Torah. The Yid who like did all this work to keep the Torah, to find the Torah, to, to make the Torah one with him, that's the ultimate protection of Torah. It's deep within the heart of the Yid. So that's what I Shapiro brilliantly shared with us yesterday. And I think, I think when, we, when we learn a Torah and connect to a Torah and bond with a Torah like this, so then when we share Divrei Torah with people, you, you share something, you're giving Pasha a secret. 
Pashat sharing a secret, you're sharing a piece of yourself. It's interesting. I once shared a word that was like dear to me, and a speaker said, Very nice, Rabbi. I gave like, I was very, I wasn't, I was like cute. I wasn't trying to be cute. I wasn't trying to be nice. You, you can't say very nice if you hand somebody your last million dollars and you hand them a million dollars like you have nothing left. It's, 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 it's not, they're very cute. It's not cute to do that. It's like I shared something personal. Somebody cries to you, opens up to you, and your response is, oh, cute. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm upset. There's like, are you absorbing what I'm saying? Are you, when somebody shares a, an idea, I find when I Shapiro shares by Shalashodis, Tyra that he's sharing, he's 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 giving us something from within. He's giving us something that he's absorbed. He's giving us a piece of himself. It's 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 personal, it's like a sacred, it's a raza. It's Pasha the secret he's sharing with us. That's how we describe to learn Tyra and to connect to Tyra. Who are we gonna ask this week to share, Kathra? Who should we ask to share? We have to we have a couple of days. Rabezi, <laughs> 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 yes, so Aryeh Khan will be one. I'm going to yeah. ask Aryeh. Tomorrow we're going to have Musser. After is going to be a Masifta volleyball tournament, obviously. It's going to be a huge. We're going to get everybody involved. But first, Aryeh will share tomorrow by Musser. I'm going to ask Aryeh to share that. Excellent idea. Excellent. Shragla, if you can prepare this week. I don't know which day yet. Shragla, if you can get busy this week, we need to hear Shrags. Anything on the first five parakim above us. We extend it now to the fifth parak. So Arye Shragi. Shloyme, you'll prepare this week? Okay. That's what I'm thinking. Dubi, Shragi, Shloyme, and Arye goes for this week. Dubi, you'll prepare something beautiful. Have a but then. Boom. Okay, so Doobie said he's going with Arye tomorrow. Wow, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. The other one, it could be Shleim and Shragi. We'll do it together in Baltimore. We will. We'll, Mustam will have Vad in Baltimore. We'll let, we'll let the masses come join. Why shouldn't we show Shragi off to the world? I appreciate it a lot that the mishpachas came. Bring your families for Shabbos. That was delightful. Yeah, I thank Shragi, Shleima. <laughs> what do you say? Possible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ended off yesterday. It says, in it, I, said, I said by the day soda that the Mishnah in Saita says, Rebbe bottle covered at When Rebbe, when Rebbe Kiva died, Rebbe Kiva, Mishemes Rebbe Kiva bottle covered at When Rebbe Kiva died, that level of covered at ceased to exist. Rebbe Kiva was a madrega of covered at I want to claim that the Kavadah Torah of Rabbi Kiva, Rashi on the spot brings that he darshaned every kites, every letter of the Torah, Rabbi Kiva darshaned. I want to say that Rabbi Kiva saw the relevance and bonded and connected to every detail of the Torah. Remember Rabbi Kiva's start. 
Rabbi Kiva start, we asked the contradiction Friday night. The Gemara in Nidarim says he didn't even know halacha achas, one halacha. Taisvis and Ksubis Samach Beis Beis, the Gemara says he was Mali. Taisvis says means he was showing a mitzvah, he kept mitzvahs. So he has to cash, how could he keep mitzvahs and not know halacha achas? If you don't know, you can't keep. And we said al karchach, it means he didn't connect to one halacha. And we explained in Avis to Nasan, he felt that it doesn't impact his insides, he felt distant from it. To Rabbi Kiva became somebody who connected Kol all the secrets of the Torah. The secret to Pneumius HaTayra, to the inner of Tyra. There are Tyra that we're talking about. If you ever learn certain Svarim, you only connect to it if, if you feel it, if you understand that Pneumius stick of place. And Rabbi Kiva darshaned all the, the Razim, all the secrets of the Torah, means he connected and related to every aspect of Torah. That's Kavad HaTayra. It's the Spitz Kavad HaTayra, the Torah that we have, the Torah that we connect to, the Torah that we're so one with. That's Kavad HaTayra. That's the Spitz Mishameis Rebbe, Bakla Kavad HaTayra. So I ask us all, when you share an Abbas, I ask these four, say a word that's meaningful to you. Say something that you're misspining. There's no too small when you have a kasha that you feel connected to. You read a mission, I don't understand. You have a turret connected to. Share with us a turret that you relate to. There'll be mincha right now. Yes, <laughs>